So this morning, we are continuing on with our series, <clears throat> Regather. As we talked about it last week, uh, Regather, we've, this is uh, for the next few weeks, the season of Epiphany. Epiphany, again, is the Greek word for realization. It's the time when the church spends time reading the stories of Jesus to regather around him, to learn from him. Uh, Gene, just as you were saying, that he would teach us, that we would be taught by him. So uh, remember last week we were reflecting on Jesus' baptism and talking some just about how amazingly humble the Son of God is that he would even be baptized, that he would even show up at the Jordan River to be baptized. And we talked too then some about this servant king and how amazing Jesus is not only as king but as a servant king, a king who serves. And we were talking some about that, reflecting on how amazing Jesus is uh, and then then getting into how that was encouraging for us, uh, for us as a church and mission. Well, this week we are focusing in on Jesus' spoken ministry, the words that he spoke. And uh, I realize that every time that we gather around Jesus, I find him sending us out. I was reflecting on that as, as Dan was speaking, uh, sharing his, uh, what God had been doing in him about mission uh, and encouraging us, uh, encouraging talk for us, even though he did mention uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> Dan, are we still friends? <laughs> He's like, well, we'll see. <laughs> Might not, right, right. Um, but I think the Holy Spirit is doing something this morning because uh, I had no idea what Dan was going to talk about other than like his mission experience. But the, the direction that God led him, the, the direction the Holy Spirit led him, the things that he said, uh, I see God at work in the things that he has been preparing in me to say this morning as well. I also want to say, too, that you know, if you're visiting this morning, I see a few visitors, uh, you're kind of getting an inside view of some of the conversations that happen in a church. Uh, this morning we'll be talking some about following Jesus, especially following him in mission. But it's like I said, the closer we get to Jesus or at least the closer I get to Jesus, the more urgency I feel for mission, the more urgency I feel for sharing this amazing news of how God has changed my life, what the kingdom of God has done around me and in me. The closer I get to him, the more I want to go out and share this with others. Then uh, working, working on this text uh, this morning, we're going to be talking to someone from Matthew chapter 9, but that in conjunction with just uh, on uh, Monday, the SLT, we were talking about a survey that was recently done in the Nelson Church. And uh, one of the questions there, actually the question that came up where the church identified needing the most help was in sharing their faith with others. And they had quite a few different questions on like their own spiritual growth, but the one that came up where people were feeling like they needed the most help, were the least equipped was sharing their faith with others. Essentially, how do we talk with people about Jesus, especially in our culture? Um, I suspect some of you might be feeling that too. I suspect that's not too different for us here. The sharing our faith is one of the hardest parts. I think, you know, some people uh, might rather be persecuted than have to share their faith uh, about who Jesus is. And I've been thinking about some of the reasons why. I think um, some of us you know, it's difficult to share our faith with people who are reluctant or people who, who reject Jesus. We start talking with them about how meaningful he's been in our life, and then people say, well, that's stupid. 
or ridiculous or sometimes it even just as plain as, well, that's just not for me. Even that is discouraging. Or sometimes, too, like you share this, this faith about who Jesus is, about what he's meant for us and what he's meant to us, and we share it with a close friend. And we can see how it makes this, like our relationship awkward or how it can actually strain a relationship. I mean, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but how many of you have friends where you've kind of realized that, you know, religion just, or faith isn't just something, just something we don't talk about because it's too difficult for us? So there's all these different reasons. I mean, sometimes even just sharing our faith, people reject us. We say, like, I, I believe that God created this amazing place and that he had a son who came and died and rose again. And because I believe in that, God has changed my life. And then have people reject us and say that we're crazy or that we're too simple or that we're too old-fashioned, that the world has long since moved on. And yet it seems so real for us so true in our lives. Sometimes it can feel like we, when we talk with people about faith, our option is either be dismissed by them or have them offended by us. We feel stuck in the middle. How, how do we do this? How do we share our faith? Well, I can say there are some wrong ways to do it. And <laughs> we'll talk some of that. I actually have this, uh, this video we're going to watch in just a second. It's pretty funny, at least for me. But we can have these questions of what do we say? How do we say it? What should we not say? What things are actually counterproductive or actually drive people further away? Well, to help with that question, watch this of what not to say. I know it's it's profound, right? <laughs> it's not. Oh man. Huh. It was so funny too. <laughs> Can you click on it, Rick? Can you try just clicking on the Well, yeah, Tom Brady. <laughs> Which is bad news because I had one other short clip later. Okay, so. You know what, Rick? We'll just, I'll just, I'll just give you the Reader's Digest version. I'll give the. the if you want to, I'll put it. I'll put it on the website because it, to me, it's hilarious. Um, so essentially, uh, this guy who's a Christian, on fire Christian, uh, goes to a coffee shop, and the first thing he does is some guy's trying to park, and he cuts him off and steals his parking spot. And so you see it from the other guy's point of view. He's like this. But then he cuts to the, to the Christian guy, and he's like, yes, God provides. Awesome. <laughs> and he goes into the, into the coffee shop, and he's asking people, you know, like, hey, bless you, bless you, coffee maker. Like, he doesn't know his name, but bless you, coffee maker. And he walks right up in front of everyone uh, and says, I'll take the normal. 
And then the coffee, the barista guy says, well, actually, there's a line that you need. People are waiting. He goes, oh, right, right. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. And he goes, and that same guy who he took his parking spot, he like jumps in line in front of him just as he's coming in line. And he starts walking through the coffee shop and he's saying, you know, um, you go to church? You go to church? How about you? You've been born again? And then he says, and then he actually stands up in the middle of the coffee shop and he stands on a chair. He says, I just, God has given me this word in my devos this morning and I just got to share it with all of you. It starts with Genesis 1-1, the beginning of the Bible. And he starts talking some from there. And you get this sense of someone who um, doesn't really care so much about the people that he's talking with. It's more about him and about sharing what's important to him. And uh, we'll put it out here. There's one part where I laughed out loud. He takes a Bible, his Bible. He slams it down on the table and these, between these two girls and they, they look at him. He goes, was that scary? Hell is scary. <laughs> like that's, that was like his conversation starter. Um, he starts talking with another guy. Um, he's talking with another guy about, you know, see that girl right there? And she can hear him talking about him. See that girl right there? She's going to die. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but she's going to die. And the girl's looking at him like, what? And he says, and so are you. What are you going to do about that? So just all these horrible ways that Christians, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say well-meaning Christians, have gone about trying to talk with other people about faith. Please do not talk with people about faith like that. So what do we say? Well, we'll send that out to you. You guys can see. It was, it's way funnier. Um, what do we say? What do we do? How do we share faith with others? That's a huge question that many of us ask. So if you would open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. If you want to, it's in your bulletin as well. You would read with me. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus said these words, this is chapter 9. Chapter 8 is filled with stories of Jesus healing people, of Jesus caring for people and healing them. After this, these, these words that Jesus spoke right here, this is the end of chapter 9, the beginning of chapter 10, Jesus sends his disciples out in mission. This, these sayings, this saying of Jesus right here happens between him showing people God's kingdom and then sharing God's kingdom speaking the words of it. Let us pray that God, that we would hear, the Holy Spirit would guide us as we hear this this morning. If you would pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord God, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful for how meaningful it is uh, for us, how much it can speak to us in uh, Sunday mornings when we gather to hear it, but throughout the week. I'm grateful for the model you have given us, Jesus, on how you care, uh, how you went about mission, and most importantly this morning, why you went about mission. I pray for your leading Holy Spirit. Amen.
<clears throat> so, uh, this passage, passage that we are looking at this morning gives us guidance in two questions. One of them is, how did Jesus go about mission? How did he talk with people about faith? And why he went? Uh, first, we'll see how Jesus went, through, uh, went about uh, proclaiming good news. So we see how Jesus went. To look at this passage, if we look at verse 35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. Jesus got around. And I was thinking about this, how I need to get around more. How I settle into my routines. Uh, you know, I, I'm a crazy about trying to be efficient. <laughs> My choice is like, yeah. And so for me, I try to cut everything like the least amount of wasted time possible. If I need to be somewhere, I'm like working right up to it, and then I drive right there. And then when I'm done, I drive right to the next thing. And it's convicting to me, and God is, the Holy Spirit is finally starting to work in me, how many times when I'm driving up to my house, like I'll see one of my neighbors walking their dog, and rather than stop and chat for a moment, I just fly right by, and sometimes I wait. Jesus got around and made time for people, left margin in his life, time in his life. He went to the towns, he went to the villages, he went out of, what I would say, out of routine to go and be with people, all sorts of people. And I suspect many of you can relate to what I'm saying. We get busy. We have appointments, we have a job to go to, and we get busy with stuff. And so the busier we are, the less space we have for people, or the less space we have to take the long scenic route where we might run into someone and be able to make a new friend and maybe encourage them. The other thing, too, is that uh, Jesus getting around, he moved outside of his circle of friends. And that's something that um, I need to work on myself. I imagine many of us do. That it's really easy for us, it's super comfortable to come and spend time with friends. And I don't know if most people are introverted. Like, I'm definitely an introvert. So uh, going and, and making friends or talking with new people is, takes work and effort. And um, sometimes I feel like, oh, I just want to go talk to somebody I know. Um, but I see Jesus going further out, going um, beyond normal routines and beyond normal circles of friends. And it says he went all these towns and villages teaching in their synagogues. The key word, the word that stuck out to me in this little short four words here was there. He went into their synagogues. He met them on their home field, on their turf. And I was thinking how much that we talk about how can we get people to come here to this moment right here, the moment we gather together to worship God when we feel comfortable and how much we want people to come to this moment. Which, there's nothing wrong with people coming here, but this is our home turf. This is where we feel comfortable. I see Jesus going to the places where they feel comfortable for us to meet our friends and even strangers in places where they are comfortable to go to them to meet them where they're at, physically, like literally where they are at, but also in a spiritual context as well. You know, if we show up to someone and we start talking about, you know, salvation and um, 
justified by the blood of the lamb, people might look at us like, what are you talking about? So we're careful to meet people where they're at, to talk genuinely, like sort of like normal people, about how Jesus has been at work in us. So we meet them on their home field, on their turf. And he said he went preaching the good news of the kingdom. Now this is something that uh, God has been working in me for, for a few years now. Uh, do this when you have a moment, or even when you don't, still do it. <laughs> Take a look through the Gospels and look, look at what Jesus preached. Jesus did not, uh, well, I shouldn't say did not. Most oftenly, Jesus preached the kingdom, even more so than salvation from sin, even more so than heaven when you die. Jesus preached the kingdom, God's kingdom. Certainly, salvation, like forgiveness of sin, is definitely part of being in that kingdom. And eternal life, life forever, uh, when we die, that, that death is not the end for us. I love it, uh, Diane, how you said, celebrating your heaven day. That is definitely part of being in the kingdom, but the kingdom, the, the good news, is more than just we are forgiven. It's more than just as amazing as that is. It's even more than we get to go to heaven when we die. It's the kingdom of God has come, and we get to be a part of it. See, if we focus just on salvation, there's trouble with that. As good as it is, and I, I, I hate it that there is trouble with it, but I find that in our culture, increasingly, more and more people have a pluralist idea, which means essentially that there's no longer right and wrong. There's just different opinions about things. I don't know, you probably had this conversation. I mean, uh, I don't know, to, to start someone talking with them about sin, there's still some people who might say, yes, I feel, I sense what you're saying. I feel brokenness in me. I feel like there's things that I want to do that are right, but I don't do them, and there's things that are wrong that I don't want to do, yet I keep doing them. There are some people who will talk about that. But I also see that increasingly more in our culture, people don't think like that. They just say, you know what? There's just different ways of doing stuff. It's just your way, and that's fine for you, but I'm not interested. There's no longer, or there's less and less right and wrong. There's just different opinions. I say that so that we, because if our only thing is that you will be saved from your sin, which is amazing once you understand what Jesus is saying, if that's our only thing we have to talk with people about, there's a lot of people who just say, like, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I feel fine. <laughs> I don't really need this salvation thing. I've already feel kind of saved. Or saved from what? I'm a pretty good person, at least compared to my neighbors. I'm just as normal as they are. So that's the trouble if our gospel is limited just to salvation. The other thing, too, is if our gospel is limited just to, well, okay, but don't you want to be saved so that you go to heaven when you die? I don't know, like, what your experience has been, but, like, in the memorials I've done here for people who aren't Christians, and in my conversations with people in our community, most people believe that heaven is what happens when just about everybody dies. I don't know what, I mean, maybe you've had different experience, but I think pretty much everybody I talk to assumes like, yeah, when we die, we go to heaven. Like, sure, like murderers and rapists and like hardened criminals, yeah, no, they, they go to hell. But, but 
everybody else, like, if you're just, like, kind of a good citizen and you pay your taxes, like, you go to heaven. So it's hard for us. Like, that, for a lot of people, that talking about eternity, which I think is true of the gospel, one of the things that Jesus does in us, one of the amazing blessings of following him, it's not so compelling with people. I've been thinking some about how Jesus preached the kingdom and how we can talk some more about that with people, including the fact that we are saved from our sin and including the fact that we get that when we die, death is not the end for us, that we have life eternal with him, but also this reality that the kingdom of God has come, that the humble will be exalted, that the arrogant will be humbled, that the last will be first, that those who feel like they are worthless will be treasured. The world set upside right. We live, I know, this is what we're used to, and it seems normal, but this world is upside down. The kingdom of God comes and set the world upside right. I was reading in Christianity Today about Christians in India and how faith is growing there. Not so much among the wealthy elite caste. In, in India, they have caste systems. They have strata or levels of people, and it's just what you're born into. You're either born into a high class, which is like the Brahma, which are like the elites, just by being born into that family. Nothing you've done, you're just born into it. And some are in the lowest class. Those are the people like Mother Teresa worked with. They were treated like dirt, like subhuman. Faith, Christianity, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom is growing like wildfire among the lowest of the low. Because they hear in scripture that people were created in the image of God. And it absolutely blows them away. Because for their whole life, since the moment they were born, they have been taught that you are dirt. And then they read in scripture that not only are they created in the image of God, but there is a God who loves me so much that he would come for me and die for me. Sign me up. Where do I, how do I get involved? The kingdom is good news. Jesus talked about coming to bind up the brokenhearted, bringing good news that sin no longer has to hold, no longer has a hold on us. That the things that have been that have happened to us in our past, the things that we've gone through, God will redeem them. He'll begin redeeming them in this life, and eventually they will be completely redeemed in the next. And he's come to give us life. The kingdom of God has life in it. Jesus, in, uh, in John's gospel, he's teaching with the disciples, and he says, the enemy comes to steal and destroy, but I've come to give you life, and life more full. Life filled with meaning and purpose. That even though you might have uh, a job that seems sort of mundane in a tiny little part of the world in, in southeast BC, even though it may seem like, you know, like, what does my life really matter? It is important you have meaning and purpose. Not only that, but as part of God's kingdom, you have the opportunity of joy despite how broken things are. You have the opportunity to, to praise God, even though someone in your family has cancer. 
or your marriage is in trouble or your kids are making horrible choices. You still have joy. Not happiness. <laughs> happiness is more related to what's happening. Joy is that, you know, I'm so grateful for you, Lord. I'm grateful for what you've done in me. And I'm grateful for the hope I have in you. Even though this situation looks like it's a mess, I still have hope, and I'm grateful for the hope you give, Lord. Jesus went through preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Jesus was showing the kingdom. There's times when he shares the kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount is like a long discourse, Jesus sharing what the kingdom is like. But if you look through the Gospels, all the healings, all the things that he did, setting people free from, from spirits, from demons, that's demonstrating, that's showing the kingdom. But we'll talk some more about that uh, next week when we start when we get into Jesus and his healing. In this short little passage, those short those four verses, sorry, there's just one verse into four parts, we see how Jesus went. I'm looking at the time, and I'm about a third of the way through this. <laughs> yeah, you know, but the, the, I, I, I'm grateful. It seems like you guys are hearing it. The only trouble is there's five little boys and a couple girls out there uh, that, Ms., that Colleen is working on. And there's a meeting afterwards. Let's do this. Let's save the other portion for next week. I'll see if I can't get that video and stuff to work. Um, because this is the sort of, the, my sermon kind of ended up in two parts. Uh, this part of the sermon is from Matthew. We're watching how Jesus does things. Next week we'll talk about some very practical ways that we can share our faith, uh, and we'll do that. But let me just kind of wrap everything together with this. That Jesus shows us how. How he went about it. And I'll talk more about this next week, but actually I'll just one, one more click. Jesus tells us why as well. Because he has compassion on us. Because he loves us. God came to do this because of his compassion for us that we are troubled. We are like sheep without shepherd, <laughs> whether we want to admit it or not. Jesus came because he loves us. That short little, that's just one little verse in this passage that we read today. It's like a microcosm of all of scripture. From creation to the cross, Jesus came because he loves us. We'll talk some more about it next week, but let me just stop by saying this. Jesus comes and he moves outside of his normal, comfortable circles. He got around. He went to villages and towns. Not only that, but he went and he met people on their home turf. He went out to them. And I am calling us to resist the temptation to always get people to come to us here, but that we keep going out. We keep going out and meet them where they are. Literally where they are, but also spiritually where they are. And he, preached, and he proclaimed the kingdom. 
let us proclaim the kingdom by showing it, showing people what God's kingdom looks like, that they see these beautiful kingdom lives in us, and they ask, how do you do that? Or why are you like that? Because I don't see that very often. That we are so faithful living God's kingdom that people ask us. And he went around healing all sorts of diseases and sicknesses, and we'll talk about that some next week. He did all this because he loves us. This is the amazing news, that God did this because he loves us. Amen.